0: Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Beyond Stats Podcast. On this episode, Diego and Mark walk through their sports background and how technology is impacting their sport. I want to start by introducing my co-host Diego Mayello. Diego, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you, Mark? Good. So uh as we touch on, you know, what is informed stats, want to get a better idea of you know your sports background and
1: how you came to be where yeah. you are today? Absolutely, yeah. I guess I'll touch on my my kind of story and my background on how I grew up in sports. So um, I grew up uh, in Florida for the the early portion of my life. Then I uh, spent most of middle and high school in Atlanta, Georgia, where I played um, for various clubs, Concord Fire and AFC Lightning, to be specific. Um, my my junior year, uh, I went to a summer camp. Um, in Florida, with a this Brazilian coach Tadeo. Uh, he runs B Foot, which is the is a Brazilian organization that does a lot of work in Florida. So, I went on a week trial with with him. He um, he asked me to come on and do a one v one, a couple day sessions, just him and myself. Uh, after that session, he offered me a spot on a under twenty one, uh, I'm sorry, under twenty um, professional team, third division in Brazil um taco is the is the city's name wow. so i decided to um to graduate early and how and, old were you and i was, I was 17 at the time wow. so so yeah I, I graduated early um and i decided to take that trip out there um uh, and it was it was a it was a six month to a one year contract i ended up doing about 10 months out there I really gained a lot of experience and opened my eyes up to um, <clears throat> the different cultures and the, and the different understanding of the game of soccer. Um, what I really took away, just a little side note from that, was the difference in, um, in commitment level that, that those guys have out there, you know, I learned, you know, the difference out there really is that there's no college ball, you know. Out there, you, 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 after high school, you either go pro. Or or you go find a job, you know, there's no there's no such thing as getting recruited to college It's you either commit your whole life to soccer or to whatever sport it may be Or you just accept that after you know at 17 18 you say hey I'm not good enough to go to the next level and you just go and find a job so I was competing against guys who didn't have a second choice. Yeah. You know, this is their life. They've decided to commit their lives to this sport, and that's what's going to get them out of whatever situation they may be in.
0: So, did you find that these players often commit to sport at a
1: lot younger age? You said yeah. usually by the time they graduated, they oh, already yeah. knew. So. Yeah. Yeah, most of these kids, and I, I mean, I was 17 playing on the U-20 team, so I was kind of the younger dog, but we had some starters. I mean, we had a 16-year-old starter, Henato, wow. um, and he was, he was amazing. Short guy, but, but fast. I mean, this guy, so it really, and so anyway, so what I got out of that experience was, you know, you got you to gotta do a full commitment. But what I also learned was, um, you know, our best player, uh, Alex, Uh, to throw some names out he uh tore his ACL halfway through the season ended up working at the gas station a week later and we all would go see him so that was a huge eye-opener to me as well you know everyone's one injury away from and you know at that point he couldn't go to college now he's just working so anyway you know to wrap that up I decided after a year I would have had to sign a contract which would I would have lost my NCAA eligibility um so I decided to to come back um back to the states and and try to find a team because i honestly wanted to just get a degree and do what i love which is play competitively um you know i wasn't really concerned on um actually maximizing the soccer potential as much i really wanted to balance the educational aspect because of the experience i had in in brazil so i ended up coming back to the states um and just starting to get my video out there which is you know touching on the tech that i that, that i had but Anyway, I had to try to get to as much video as I could of myself because no colleges knew about me because I was in Brazil for the last year. Right. So I didn't have any high school ball tape, I didn't have any club ball tape. It was basically, hey guys, this is, you know, I'm coming from Brazil, you know, here's a little bit of footage I had from there. Um, and so, I, you know, luckily I had a coach here, Coach Shimer, uh Pine Manor College took a chance on me. Um, we were able to work out a really good scholarship and I was able to come out to Boston. Um, to start off my my soccer career here a little d3 um smaller school okay um,
0: i kind of wanted to touch on that yeah. a little bit further so you mentioned uh you know coming from brazil you didn't have any video did you think coming from brazil and playing brazil gave you a advantage or
1: maybe a disadvantage not having video how do you see that impacting your recruiting mm-hmm. experience see that's a good point i i as far as the level of uh, competition and um, like training-wise, I was in the best shape of my life. I mean, we would have two a days for three hours a day, non-stop. There was no studying. It was just soccer, physical, every single day. So I thought competitively I, was, I had an advantage over most of, these, most of the kids here just because the mentality I was in was just, you know, it was just like an animal-like mentality. It's just full-blown, every practice, 100%, full speed ahead. But the thing was lacking was you know it wasn't the most astute institution out there. We we you know we lacked a lot of money for technology per se. Our video was iffy. We only had game day video. We never had you know technology out on the practice field. It was it was a lot of of you know just just a lot of um, just traditional style of of um, training, which. You know, it was very intense, but at the same time, there was no tech. So it was, um, so, you know, it has its pros and cons. So I felt confident in my ability to play. I felt like I can come on any team over here, you know, at at my level, um, and and outshine and outperform most of the kids. Um, But I didn't have anything to to prove that, you know, that that I was playing at that level. I just had to come and honestly say, okay, I'm going to have to go to ID camps. I'm going to have to just show them in person because I had nothing to show, which was, you know, something I, I wish I did have.
0: So, what was that transition like? Getting back
1: into the states and you know playing college ball, playing um, soccer on the East Coast. Sure, um, you know I didn't I didn't know what too too much to expect out of the team. It, you know Pine Manor was a first. Um, it was their first year with a men's soccer team, so we didn't have you know a previous experience to go off of per se. So um, at the competition level, honestly, at that school at that time. You know, I was on the higher end for sure. You know, some of those kids were just, uh, you know, didn't hadn't played soccer their whole life. It was honestly, the competition was a huge change from Brazil. Um, but it allowed me to to really shine. And, and I, I had a plan which was to ultimately transfer out of that school. Once I had a, a year and a GPA and everything like that, um, I was going to transfer out to maybe like a better school, which is what I ended up doing. Um, but I knew, you know, all it took was all. I, all I needed was one coach to, um, to find me. And the only reason he did find me was a little bit of footage that I had because I was living in Florida at the time when I moved back from Brazil, and I got recruited from Boston. So it goes to show that you know you have to put in the work and get your name out there, and you know anything. I was I was also open to anywhere. I didn't per se had Boston. I didn't have Boston in mind. Keynote um, for athletes always yeah. be open. If you're serious about this man and you want to play, if in your heart you're you're you're. You know what you really want out of this is just starting minutes, playing minutes, playing competitively too as well. You know you don't want to just you know play to play per se, but if that's what makes you happy, then that's what, so. I knew in my mind I was open to anything. Um, you know my you know my brothers and stuff were like, dude, are you sure you want to move out to Boston, dude? It's like it's no one out there. It's different. You don't you know you don't know anyone up there. But I was committed. And my mindset was, dude, I this is what I want to do, and, and I'm going to make it happen. So. You know, kind of to wrap it up. Um, after playing a year at uh, at Pine Manor, we went five and five. I was top scorer. Uh, we had some issues there at that school. I really wanted to move on to something a little better, uh, quality wise. You know, nothing wrong with Pine Manor. Um, all due respect, and shout out to Coach Scheimer. Um, and he um, he said, "Hey man, I used to coach at this this school up on 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 the um, up in Beverly, and uh, I think you'd be a great fit." And that's where. Um, he took me on, on on a visit. We did a walkthrough. I caught a couple games. I mean, the campus is beautiful. If anyone knows about Endicott College, um, big shout out to Endicott. And you know, just just a little side note: it's where Mark and myself went to school. Um, and that that, that really kind of was was the the rest of my career. I ended up you know finishing out three years with Endicott College. Uh, I was able to to wrap um, CCC title for the first time in school history for for that soccer team, so you know an amazing time. Again, it was a great time for me to to balance out, you know, my educational life with still playing competitive. Obviously, still training at a high level uh, with with those guys and brothers around you. So so yeah, that was kind of kind of just to, just to wrap up my, my collegiate career there.
0: And just to give the audience a little more context, uh, Diego's being a little modest here. So when he did join Endicott, he made the finals for the CCC two out of the three years. And 2017 being the first championship in the program's history. So being the CCC playoff MVP, that must have been big for
1: you to see that initial transition from Brazil all the way to Endicott. How'd that feel? Yeah, I mean, it, it was kind of a full circle moment. Um, you know, I, I, my, like I said, my my goal was to was to just play competitively and just get as many minutes as I could, but also, you know, having that goal of of bringing that first championship home for this team, and 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 not only that, but failing, failing two years prior, you know, sophomore junior year, um, and seeing those seniors go out, man, I just knew. You know that's that, that side of of collegiate ball that I, that I just love. There's this just you can't put a price on that. It's you know that camaraderie, that um, you know that that, that feeling of, of going to battle and 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 really accomplishing something that you know is larger than than even the title itself. It was something bigger than that, and it would be something that you know a, a team as a team together will never forget. So yeah, I mean that that's also I mean obviously cherry on top it was it was great to be able to do that. I mean a tournament MVP and all that. Um, so,
0: what do you great. think got you over the hump? You mentioned that you guys fell short the two years prior. Um, how did you see, you know, you guys getting over the hump? Would you use yeah. for that
1: extra motivation? Yeah, resources? Resources. Um, you know, I think. I mean, a experience. Um, the year we won, I mean, I, I think we had ten returning starters that year. So it was <laughs> um, yeah. I think we lost two or three seniors. So I think we had. You know, we had a good taste of the competition in the league. You know, we've already been so close. So we knew that if we stayed, you know, we we were known to be the most physical team in the league, in our conference. Um, so, you know, fitness-wise, we were there. And we like to force teams into playing our style. But then again, you know, when the playoffs come swinging around, um, you know, we were always first seed, uh, you know, all, uh, every time. So we were always the top dog. And so with that was, you know, came you know, you always get the target on your back, you know, every game you that you go everyone's into, everyone's trying shot. to, right. Everyone's trying to, you know, make a name for themselves by getting a win on end cut. Yeah. That's what it felt like. So knowing that, but you know, after a couple of years of that, it was like, Hey, look, we dictate what we want to do. We dictate the style of play. We want, we know what formations we want. And, you know, a little shout out to, to coach Kyle Uh, I think he won coach of the year a couple of times those during that, that time period. Um, you know, we had we had a really solid group of guys, and I really think that's that's what made the difference uh, I think we had the most transfers uh, that, that, that we've had in a while there and um, I think like seven or eight out of the starters were transfers oh, wow. uh, out of state So yeah. it was a huge I'm mean, shout-out Cusho, Brandon McLaughlin um, uh, Robbie Finn all these guys um, made a big difference Dario uh, the all coming from outside I think that that's what really made the difference and then just I think we had just crazy chemistry like I said two years of experience of you know getting that taste in our mouths we wanted the NC to play and we just told ourselves like we're not letting this happen again you know and yeah. so I think experience and and just you know we got kind of lucky with just having such a great group of guys
0: now you you mentioned you know playing in Brazil you didn't always have the most resources from a team standpoint how did you see the difference either at Pine Manor or at Endicott? Did you feel like you guys had, you know, especially coming together so quickly, being all transfers from different areas? Did you feel like, hey, we had more resources around us, maybe better strength and conditioning, or you know, access to film? Is there ways you know that helped you guys get there sooner?
1: Yeah, I think you know now that you mentioned that in Brazil, it was um, there was a lot more work getting put in with less, I guess, thought or technology so it was more like accomplishing by brute force yeah whereas i felt like you know our our gyms weren't as good you know the weightlifting they had minimal knowledge on weightlifting like they did here when I got to Endicott, Pine Manor, you know, a little more tech, a little more video. Like at Brazil, our video would be literally a whole 90 minute clip and we had to sit there through the whole 90 minute clip, nah, no, no pause, and just pause and talk about it. So <laughs> yeah. it would last three, four hours oh, of, of breaking down a film, right. you know, from start to finish because we were even lucky to have that. And, and I'm was, sure
0: there's lags, you know, within yeah. the
1: game where, you know, the ball goes off to the side and you want to fast forward. Yeah, exactly, or... exactly. So it was literally the head coach you know, fast forwarding and rewinding this, and everyone's sitting there on the concrete ground. You know, like, oh my god, I can't wait for this to be over. You know, it's good. You need the film, but it could have been, a, it could have been a better experience. You know, uh, so anyway, Pine Manor, we got a little bit of a better film, more, more editing, but we didn't really watch too much film there. Endicott, you know, now we're talking. You know, state of the art facilities, brand new turf field. Our, you know, we had quality film for every single game. Um, you know, Coach Cal did a good job of breaking down that footage. For us, you know, we per se didn't have access to the film, but we always, after each game, it was on huddle, so we could, you know, go back and watch, and I would I would create my own highlights from those games, you know, I would have to sit and actually chop through and, and try to get all of my passes through, balls, assists, crosses, goals, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, to just for myself, you know, okay. so you often to had to stuff. do it for yourself a hundred percent. Yeah Yeah, I never received, you know, the the whole game was there But it was up to you on your own off time whether you wanted to chop that up and get your own clips out of it
0: So how long would that normally take you, you know to make your own highlight? Tape you know, or, you it know? would
1: take a while so I would only focus on you know, I would after the game I would say I, after the game I would say um, I would think back and say, okay, I, I remember a couple of moments throughout the game that I wanted to, to to clip up. Yeah. So I would I would try to find those. I would remember, okay, this was around these minutes, and then and then try to um, try to go back and just clip those. So I would get maybe four or five clips. Obviously, I'd, I'd get my goals. If I scored, I'd make sure to get that. Yeah. Gotta um, get the goals. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, get that's just like you know, you gotta get that. But I wish you know, if I could spend more time on it, I would have loved to just analyze my game more. Every time I received the ball, I would have loved to see what I did. You know I think that's big so even a breakdown in the film it seems
0: like it took you you know some time
1: yeah yeah I didn't I didn't we didn't get full breakdown comprehension like I would have like thinking back now um, I, I I think having each player really break down every movement they've done on the field it's just you can't replicate that in practice and it's just you know another element of this game that yes it does take time but if you can get that efficiently in players in players hands and they can watch that, uh, I think it's a huge learning potential, you know.
0: Well, that transition into my next question. Before we gave a little more insight into me and you know my background, wanted to hear a little bit more how you see technology impacting soccer.
1: Yeah, um, you know, I've been thinking a lot, a lot about this, and um, the 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 wave is definitely coming. And, and the two things, just kind of to break down to viewers that don't or listeners that don't. Completely grasped the whole tech thing yet, you know, there's two major avenues of tech right now in sports and one being optical and the other one being wearable So what's
0: so, can you break that down? Yeah, a little further? What's yeah, optical? definitely. So what's so
1: wearable? optical uh, basically Encompasses every type of video analysis. So, you know game footage practice footage breaking down um, You know it some trainers use videos for uh, technique some weightlifting. lifting um, athletes use it for form so optical basically is using video visual um visual you know footage and and so you can play back and, and analyze you know for from a visual standpoint as opposed to to wearable which is exactly what it is is uh so pods gps tracking pods excuse me uh, that you wear around your chest or you know wearables could be smart watches, which are which are coming up there's gonna be a huge increase in, in in watch technology coming up so in, as far as soccer wise you know it, you know some of these pods that you see uh player tech and other ones there they are fifa certified so you can wear them during a the game um so i think that in that aspect wearables will be more of a practice tool in my eyes um and and i think definitely for games as well um But as far as like strategy, like there's only so much you can get out of wearable, right? There's only certain tangible metrics that you can get. So it's great for people that are looking at fitness levels, you know, metabolic, um, you know, um, where you are as far as fatigue, fatigue indexes and stuff like this. Like you can't get that off of video, you know, video, you can't watch yourself run around and say, oh, I think I was tired there. Or I think, you know, maybe you can get a, a, a kind of a hunch. But but the wearable really gives you statistics and say, look, this is where your heart rate was at. You know. Okay.
0: So I'm a soccer player. I'm you know 14 years old. Like I I understand the improvement aspect, but I'm not a math guy. I'm not a graph guy. I'm not a percentage guy. What matters for me in metrics in soccer for my, my fatigue would it be?
1: Yeah, I think I mean I think average heart rate and I think as you as you get to know yourself is, is really is going to be the biggest. Um, breakthrough i think and right like right now a lot of young players and and this is really my my, one of my big goals in this with this whole journey is you know a lot of young players don't have a benchmark they don't know where they are they don't know where they sit amongst other players physically um you just have to gauge on how well you perform in a game this you know having wearable technology now players can can visually see where where they stand and even not even to compare to others but even just to compare to themselves and say hey look this is where I stand, fitness wise. You know, what's my mile time? What you know? Why am I so fatigued toward the, towards the end of games? Right. You know, where why what, what where am I exerting most of my energy? You know, um, hopefully in crucial parts of the game. Yeah, be ho- good to hopefully know. Yeah. Too. Like so, over a ninety minute span of time, you know, um, where where am I losing or gaining, or what at, what do I need to work on? You know, and it also comes into stature. If you're a late bloomer, maybe you don't. Um, you're not as big and physical, like you know that you need to track this now and make sure that you're making steady, steady increment improvements towards getting in, in, into a better shape for your own performance sake, understanding that you know there might be bigger kids or smaller kids, and soccer's great because some of the smaller kids, if you've got good technique, you can outplay a lot of the bigger guys. Shout out to Messi. You know? Shout out Messi, right? Yeah. You know, size is, isn't a thing, but I think once you get to the collegiate level, it does matter. And you'll right. play, like, I remember we played um, NESCAC schools, um, you know, Coast Guard and stuff. Like, these, these guys, they're big guys, you know, If and if, if you'll get pushed off the ball. Yeah. You know, so so the sooner that I think players can get into the mindset of, of where am I at physically, you yeah. know, how can I develop myself physically more and, and having that balance. Because I think right now most of the balance is going to just work on scrimmaging and scrimmaging and scrimmaging. And that's all great. And you're going to get conditioning out of that. But at least now, you know, if you can just benchmark yourself and say, okay, this is where I am. This is where other players sit. If I, with my technique, if I can get myself to that next level physically, that's going to be the the game changer in your in your style and your play. So if I'm that 14 year old, I know what I need to work on.
0: So by the time I'm 16, 17, I know what will help yep. me get recruited. Yep, exactly.
1: Oh, great. Yeah. So so yeah, that kind of wraps up um, me. Um, let's get into maybe your background and, and you know where you came from when you started playing and, and that kind of thing. Yeah, so uh,
0: for everyone that doesn't know, I'm Mark Larabors. I graduated from Endicott College as well, but originally I'm from Norwalk, Connecticut, 203. So I started off playing football around 9, 10 years old in Pop Warner. Um, back then it was based off of weight and you know, I was always on the smaller end, so uh, kids were usually grouped by weight. If you ended up being over that weight class, you had to play up, but it kind of transitioned while I got into middle school. It started to be separated by strictly grade, so it was all sixth graders, all seventh graders, all eighth graders, either on one team or sometimes split into two, mm-hmm. and it was quite interesting because we had a very dominant um, you know, city team and by the time I got to high school at Norwalk High, it split, so all of our talent split into two teams. Some some kids went off to private schools and went a different route, but ultimately I stayed. And really, at in ninth grade, I was playing football and just kind of had that switch in my head. I'm gonna do whatever it takes to you know be a starter, um, mm. really be, have an impact on the field. And just going into my freshman year, just crush the weight room as much as possible my morning routine would be going in 8 a.m uh weightlifting session and then probably for an hour hour and a half get out hit the field do some route combinations with a quarterback or just you know run some seven all sevens uh then do some conditioning head back have lunch then hit an afternoon session usually around 3 or 4 and then from there there's usually the afternoon kids going in so mm-hmm. run some more 7 on 7 and things like that so it was kind of nice I had a chip on my shoulder obviously being undersized but also a lot of these guys I played with I played with for years so we kind of all knew each other's talent mm-hmm. we knew from middle school who were the stars mm-hmm. who were some of the underdogs and I was you know really overlooked but I think from You know, that preparation leading all the way into senior year. By the time I got to my senior year, I was a three-year varsity starter from sophomore Mm -hmm. year on. I was two-time all-conference. My senior year, I was all-area. And ultimately, I was playing both sides of the ball. So I was playing wide receiver and also playing defense as a cornerback slash um, strong safety. So I really enjoyed playing football and wanted to continue to play further, which is why I found my way at Endicott. Just with all the great programs being a sport management major being a I always wanted to work for ESPN kind of growing mm-hmm. up and mm-hmm. just being a big stat and sports guy so that's kind of how I found my way there and I love the the aspect can't beat having you know a campus with beaches um but ultimately I ended up playing football there what I loved about that program is um, just from a preparation standpoint it was division 3 but they really treated it like a high level program and it showed mm-hmm. uh, my recruiting trip You know, I I went for a visit, stayed for the first half, and the team won 35, it was 35-0 first half. So that was enough for me to really take it into consideration and know, hey, I want to come here, I want to win the championship. And we were able to accomplish that my freshman year. Uh, which was great you know you go into freshman here you you do all the grind work you take after some of the seniors you know you try and make your name for yourself whether it's working hard or trying to make plays um in practice and get some time on the field and obviously with championships come promotions with Hmm. coaches so we had a lot of assistant coaches move on to better opportunities um sophomore year we had a lot of excitement a lot of Key returning starters and really I was getting a better understanding of the offense even though the offensive coordinator changed mm-hmm. they try to keep a lot of systems in place um, so yeah I was just really focused that off season. I stayed on campus did a lot of individual training uh, so back then even as a championship team we never really had anything too solid in place it was sure. pretty much you know for football once the season ends and you know spring football's over with coach gives you a packet. Here's your workout pra- packet. See you in how week, see you in August. Yeah. Um so you're kind of left out on your own and yeah. for the coaches, you never really know who's mm. in shape or not until, you know, that first week of conditioning when you see, you know, hey, this cl- kid clearly ran or this other kid is, right. you know, off to the side looks and, like and, he hasn't
1: ran all summer. Yeah, and just to pause you right there, you know, touching back on what you said in, in high school ball when you would, you know, you would have these early morning workouts, did you notice you know, I think this is important for people. Did you notice that, you know, the people that were there doing those extra training sessions with you were the ones that ended up getting recruited going on and playing at the next level? Or or, you know, was it was it kind of mixed? And did you continue to do that at the college level, or was it kind of understood and everyone really put in that amount of work? You know, because I think that's what separated you for most of the most of the people is that you put in that extra work. You yeah. got in those extra sessions. I'm sure not everyone was doing those. Um, yeah. In the morning, like no. doing two or three a days, <laughs> no. you know. But I, I bet those people that were there with you, if if any, yeah. were the ones that did continue want to do a better job. So did you transition that same mentality into the college ball game, or did they kind of say, "Hey, look, we're, we have enough work cut out for everyone"?
0: Um, yeah. So to answer your question first, I think you know putting that extra work in in high school really laid the groundwork. It was one of the mm-hmm. reasons you know I was two time All Conference. It was the reason you know I was undersized but able to you know start my sophomore year and continue to start, end up getting recruiting. So, yes, I would say the people that were out there more. But from a recruiting standpoint, the way our high school program was, from an individual player standpoint, you really had to do a lot of the recruiting on your own. own, Um, You know, here and there, we would have, you know, a special, you know, lineman that just had the physical size, potential, and, you know, D1 programs are after him. Mm -hmm. But um, pretty much, I had my coach tell me, I want to say after my junior football season, and usually by junior year, you know kind of where you're at yeah. in the recruiting process. Yeah. Or, you know, if you're a major prospect, you're already getting recor- uh, recruited. But he sat me down and was like, listen, Mark, if you six 6'1", 6'2", I'd tell you right now, you'd be going D- D1, but you're not. Hmm. And kind of just mm. left me there at, with that to eat, and yeah. you know I'm I'm sixteen, seventeen years old. Joe, how and did, you, how did you kind of, of take that? Oh, I was just like, man, bump that, f yeah. that, man. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna find a way. Like I, you know, Absolutely. there's Darren Sproles in the NFL. Absolutely. There's you know I could probably name, there's Barry Sanders. Yeah. He's five eight. He's one of the best running backs of all time. Absolutely. So I was like, you know, I just really regardless of the route i really wanted to get to college first play competitively as you said really Mm -hmm. get a good education and i figured hey if my town's good enough whether it's unorthodox or not i'm gonna find a way there so i really just kind of took it into my own hands and really in that summer with training too i was doing a lot of initial just kind of like cold calling in the initial Mm -hmm. stages but going on websites filling out you know recruitment questionnaires by the time my first two games hit I'm pushing my head coach to hey, hey, I want to. What do we need to do for the recruiting process? And he really kind of held me off and was like, hey, wait till after the season. But I did it. (laughs) I ended up pretty much similar like after every game we did have footage in place for football you're always going to have video in place yeah, so yeah. i was watching you know video on myself starting in like 7th or 8th grade in football wow. so whether it was you know games or you know actual practice breakdowns i think you know practice footage really came into play in college but yeah. i was having game footage already it was just a matter of you know me putting my own time in similar to you mm-hmm. seeing what plays i made cutting down the break film Um, The breakdown of the film and really just sending it off to to Endicott and other programs. And that's how I garnered enough interest. Um, I think second or third game in, uh, one of the Endicott coaches came down and visited my school, talked to my head coach. And Mm. obviously with everything else, I was a good fit for the program. And um, from there, it really took off but uh going into college i try to treat it the same way Mm -hmm. in terms of chip on my shoulder i always try especially being undersized like i always try to find a chip on my shoulder and i kind of gave myself a different element so endicott was actually the only school that recruited me for offense at receiver most schools were recruiting me because i was two-time all-conference on defense so and a three-year starter on defense and My senior year, I went through three starting quarterbacks, so it's kind of (laughs) crazy to even be able to make it off of, you know, three different starting quarterbacks your senior year. But Endicott was the only team that gave me a shot on offense, and I really took that with me because I felt like in terms of potential. They trusted you
1: in that. Yeah, and
0: I really had so much to prove in that aspect, Mm -hmm. and I knew a lot of that would come in the offseason and grinding, you know, working on footwork, speed and agility, getting, um, you know, chemistry with the quarterbacks, route combination. So a lot of that stuff I just really tried to translate over. But with Endicott, they just had more Mm. uh, resources at your disposal, uh, weight weight room, and just new turf field, new turf facility. So I just, instead of going home like most college students, I found a job on campus and just committed to To um, working there. But ultimately... Things kind of took a different path by the time in between after my sophomore season, we had a little bit of a disappointing year at Endicott. I was really starting to look at things um, more holistically of, hey, Mark, you're not going to the NFL.
1: Hmm. Um,
0: Start to think of things outside of football and transition more into rugby. So Hmm. how I got into rugby, I had a freshman year roommate who was from Ireland originally played rugby, and he was also on the football team. Okay. So, um, lucky for him, he was able to play football in the fall and rugby in the spring. But I was tough. never, I mean, I, I'm a football guy. Yeah. I'm not, the only thing I know about rugby, <laughs> you search on YouTube, rugby hardest hits. Yeah any football guy to tell you yeah football without pads no way yeah but um he would always try and get me to play you would love it you'd me so much a, fun right? yeah so much fun you'd be a great wing and i don't even know what you're talking about <laughs> yeah. but not for me yeah. but ultimately as i transitioned out of football he just really said hey just come to two practices the practices are only two to three times a week mm-hmm. just come to one week two practices one game if you hate it never come back but if you if you like it, if you want to stay, like you're more than welcome. Okay. So why would that approach my ad, you know, my and, and other And then much,
1: how much did the, um, you know, if the if, if, you, if the football team would have continued on to have maybe another playoff run, another championship run, would you have thought of it? Or was it more of like, hey, I want to explore my options now, now that kind of like the football team is dwindled down a little bit, you know, did it, did that kind of, you know, what was it that that made you take that jump? Because like you said, yeah. not you're probably one of the few football players, you know, they're out there now, I think it's kind of more yeah. of like a trend, but... To make that jump is not easy. It's, it's, it's close, but it's a completely different sport. You know? yeah,
0: yeah, definitely. Definitely um, physical, but I didn't notice how much endurance comes. Because, you okay. know, football is six seconds. A play, right. A long play it's like six, seven seconds. Right. Rugby, you know? is, Rugby this, you're free-flowing. It's, free it's more similar to soccer. Right. You, you really have to be in shape. It's a 90-minute game. Right.
1: And it's physical as well. So different wear and tear on your body. um, So how did that first practice, how did you, you know, did you go into it open-minded saying, hey, look, all right, I'm just going to go see what this is about? You know, because yeah. you didn't really have too much, you know, the scrums and all that. You don't really know no. the terms l- and stuff like luckily that. Luckily you know?
0: for me, uh, where I was positioned, I was a wing. So I was out wide. I wasn't really too involved in too okay. much of the scrums and gotcha. more of the physical stuff. It was more like, hey, when the ball comes to you, run. Yeah. You know, and I was like, where? Like <laughs> okay. that's what I love to do. You know, it kind of took <laughs> yeah. me back to like being a punt returner and okay. just, you know, catching it on the fly and being able to kind of freestyle and make moves and, you know, just Got run you. and score. But, um, yeah, yeah, I would say... Some things that happen with football, I think having it down here and transitioning head coaches, the head coach definitely had a different philosophy. He Mm. came from more of a power-eye formation. So that kind of weighed on my decision and just really understanding commitment-wise for football, um, knowing how all-in you have to be and knowing how I treated football. Mm. Uh, You know, oftentimes in the summer, I, I, I was... Working, But in high school, I didn't even work. I would mm. just completely commit to football gotcha. in the off season. So it was definitely a mindset shift. But I think, you know, having his scheme come into play with the new coach, it wasn't going to fit me because mm. he's a power-eye, um, more running-style coach. And I'm a slot receiver mm. where, you know, in the past we were doing a lot of four-receiver sets, a lot of five-receiver sets. So I was like, eh, if you're only going to have two to three receivers on the field, I'm already – junior year is kind of on the cusp now Mm -hmm. i have a shot to get and a lot of guys knew i had a lot of i had a big shot to you know get some playing time but Mm -hmm. ultimately it was the best decision i made um actually the first game you know i get in um i do guy gets the ball in front of me i do a complete like football instinct hit hit where Mm -hmm. i don't even try and wrap up i just run full speed Mm -hmm. and just dive and try and throw my shoulder into him Hit him so hard. I pop up like it's football, and I'm super hyped. Turn around, and I'm, like, super excited. <laughs> and I guess the whole other team started coming after me because it's a illegal play. You have to attempt to, you know, try and wrap up. Oh, okay. So that was, like, my first uh, scenario of, wow, <laughs> this is different. And, you know, having the team, sure, having my new teammates, you know, really hold the team back and be like, no, he's new, he's new, he's yeah. new. Yeah. So, um... I would say those were some of the biggest adjustments just getting used to the rules but um culture and fit wise they really brought me in yeah. um it was very different but it brought on new challenges and from a commitment standpoint we were a good team so like my first game I played, I scored, so that was a nice feeling. That, but that,
1: that, that'll be like a taste of blood, you know? Yeah, like. exactly.
0: And we won by probably like 50, 60 points. So I knew we had some potential with the team as well. And yeah. they actually, the way they yeah. got me to stay is they showed Carlin Isles. So Carl and Isles is. Considered the fastest man in rugby. Okay. Um, He was actually a former football player who had a tryout with the Detroit Lions, Olympic track star. And, you know, pretty much my stature. Very short, Mm. shifty, speedy, uh, kind of similar background. And they were just showing me his highlights on the USA 7s. And they're like, we have a 7 season. We need you. You could be our Kyle yeah. Miles, and that's how they sold me. You could gotcha. be our speed guy. So I gave sevens a try. So, really, the big difference with. Can rugby, you break that
1: down a little bit? Like, for people who don't know, the difference between sevens 14s? Okay.
0: Yeah, so it was actually fifteen. So, 15s oh, okay. is, is the fall season. Just picture it like 15, 15 people, people on each side, right, 15 yeah. versus 15. This is more like similar, I would say, to football in terms of personnel. Is there more strategy
1: so, in sevens, or, or, or how does it, what's the difference really? Besides, um, besides less.
0: So. Fifteens has more bigger guys. So, you know, you have like, comparing it to football, more of your rugby style guys. Yeah, so those are, you know, your forward pack. Um, But also you have some shifty, speedy guys. Um, Definitely more strategy, but more of a long-form game, 90 minutes. Whereas Sevens is 7-on-7 rugby. And shorter it's shorter game it's only 15 uh, okay. minutes long oh, okay. wide field though so I love that You're aspect running, where yeah. you know 15 people on the field could feel crowded at gotcha. times where you know I'm used to juking yeah now move to seven on seven trying to tackle me or I gaps. was like oh Anyone else trying to tackle the 7-on-7, good luck. And I love the fact that it was even wider than the football field. It was, Mm. you know, soccer, soccer width. So it just provided more freestyle, more free flow. And in terms of a 7s team, we had great potential. And I think for most people, 7s is a little easier to catch on to just because of playing style and there's not as many um, breakdowns mm-hmm. or technical rules that come into play. Sometimes, you know, you could flow for the game and not have a st- st- stoppage the whole half. Gotcha. So, um, wow, yeah, definitely love about fitness, you know. Yeah. Oh, and it was a completely different challenge so there's in no terms time out. of timeout, Can you call
1: timeout? There's no timeout? Yeah, you could
0: call timeout. Okay. But um, generally, you don't you don't call timeout unless Let you absolutely play. need to. Gotcha. Or, you know, if there's an injury, timeout. But okay. oftentimes, you know. You just um, play it. You know subs come in when there's a stoppage of play or things Mm. of that nature But um, yeah, you really it was completely different in terms of conditioning I really had a transition from being a big weight room guy and trying to bulk up in football Mm. So I'm able to take hits to almost doing the opposite and really focusing on a lot of anaerobic training with rugby Being able to get my heart rate up heart rate down really fast Mm. and still being able to perform through that Um, Mark,
1: I think hold on. I think that's a really good point because I think this could be helpful to a lot of people that I think in, in especially in the United States, if you play football, um, you know, if you let's say like similar situation might happen where a coaching change happens or, you know, you really just don't feel comfortable with the team anymore. I think most football players kind of are left out and out to dry. You know, like, you know, maybe you're just maybe you transition to basketball. But I think given this light and given this insight, uh, you know, rugby should be a, a, a more relevant option for for football players who are are transitioning out of football you know if they had that other option i think it would really you know if they actually realize that that's a viable option and like you said maybe like having the knowledge of that i think that's super helpful to people you know like you said it's one of the best decisions you've ever made the best decision and you think about maybe in high school you would have said rugby i would have never Never. in my life yeah it took me it took
0: me junior so i really i got to play rugby up until um my grad year and even with that yeah a lot of more football players are transitioning yeah. over, and I think as rugby becomes more of a staple in the United States, you see that with, that you, kind of happening. yeah, you know, with the new um, NRL uh, National Rugby League, okay. um, professional rugby league, and also with sevens recently becoming an Olympic sport, mm. I think that helps. That exposure you know, might that exposure helps. Yeah. But you know, rugby's already a global game. I love that th- aspect of. In my three years, I traveled way more than I ever did for football. Football, if you're lucky, you know, you get to travel outside. In your state, whereas yeah, for rugby,
1: actually, you're traveling about in them, the yeah. three
0: years. I, I went to DC twice, I went to Texas, mm. I went to Denver, yeah, um, Philadelphia. So, it yeah. that aspect as well. I would, yeah,
1: I would like to see you know more high school exposure because yeah. I think a lot of high school players yeah. just don't even know that's an option yeah. out there, you know. So, you know, you might be a football player that you're you know second string, you're not yeah. getting minutes, you could be an amazing rugby player, Absolutely. you know, and you're just like you know, for anyone listening. Take that jump, you know, go out there and have that one practice, have that one session. And I think it could change a lot of football players' lives and, and just realizing that, that that transition is there, you know. And that's, it's an easy, I think, was it, was it, you know, I think, obviously you have to learn the rules and stuff like that. But as far as the playing style, I mean, it was a little bit freeing because there's Definitely. not so much plays, you know. You football can let is your very creativity structured, write. yeah, yeah so, you know, you know, what
0: I mean? you know if you did a play right or wrong. Like, mm. we, you could be in film as a receiver in football and say... Hey, you took seven steps on this post instead of eight. You were supposed gotcha. to take eight steps. It's that technical you can get in football, where in rugby, like you said, you could use a lot of creative. Um, yeah, there's strategy and schemes that come into play, but right. you could be more creative on more the fly, free throw. Um, as long as you're sticking to you know general good, good form and you know good good strategy, good technique. Um, yeah, and
1: with the coach I had, he allowed you to be. He wanted and you to be. That's creative. another thing I want to touch on because you know I'm 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 pretty familiar with rugby, but one thing I do understand about rugby is the culture of rugby is different than any sport. Yeah, and from what I've learned, the camaraderie and just like certain certain kind of. Um, just, like, things you do together as a team might be different, or, like, can you talk about that maybe a little bit, like, your experience, coaching-wise? And (laughs) most rugby guys are just, they're a little bit different, right? They're, like, outgoing, they're, it's not so, you know, they're down to earth. So,
0: rugby's definitely a different connection, even in, as I realized, you know, transitioning into networking and being in the business world now, um, just having that connection with someone who plays rugby, it just holds, like, a different, Mm. because it's still kind of rare in the United States, so it's, when it's, Oh you, put, oh, you played, yeah, rugby, you played too. rugby, too. It leads yeah. into a whole different type of network right. and conversation mm. where, you know, you get to relate. You talk about where you traveled. And really, um, with rugby, I compare it to almost like going to war in football. Mm-hmm. I had certain rival teams or certain rivals where, you know, you always hated them. You didn't mm. know them, but, you know, you always hated that team, whether it was before, during, or after the mm-hmm. game where rugby... Everything that could possibly be handled Gets handled on the field You have yeah. a chance to be physical You have a, You know You could talk trash But it's 90 minutes of free flowing So it's not right. like Oh You try and fight after the whistle Nah mm. You handle your business In the form right. of the game So By the time the game's done Everyone's beat up Everyone's <laughs> You know It's more like Cheers yeah. we all survived You yeah. know Cheers like Hey, we just we went just went to wars, nothing. Everything's left on the field, so right. I really like that aspect usually after rugby games. It's some type part. of, you know, potluck where, you know, you have barbecuing
1: or you right. know, you have some You're right, man. That 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 we just went to war yeah. mentality I think is more prevalent in rugby than anything. And no pads. I mean, we're going to I mean, talk about eye scratching, yeah. you know, all kind of Landing on top of each other, you yeah. know. You see, what well, I'm trying to protect yeah. you. You're trying to protect me. And so, man, that the and guys,
0: also with that, though, glorious. rugby has um, it's a very it's a gentleman's game. As physical mm. as it is, so mm. a lot of dirty playing stuff like that gets regulated, or like gotcha. even that hit I made, yeah, that's a really dirty play. So, yeah. which is why that other team reacted that way, and okay. our team. So had there's step that in. mutual level. So of respect, there's that and... there's a mutual level of respect of hey, what's right and what's not right, and also with tackling you you it's without pass so you really have to work on your form and break mm. down if you're not a good tackler in football you'll get exposed in rugby mm. so i think you know rugby what helped me transition faster was i was i was a good tackler i, gotcha. I was smaller so i had to be a good low center tackler. gravity i had to have low center gravity yeah. i had to wrap you know i had to drive through gotcha. um you know use my hips you for leverage pop, you had no, it, yeah. I, i'm not i'm not popping somewhere yeah. six feet you yeah. know just running full speed and throwing my shoulder so right. that helped me transition as well um and yeah during my time there i got to travel a lot but we had a lot of success One year we finished top five for Division Two small college rugby. Um, That was an amazing experience. For small school, you're coming out of
1: Endicott College. Yeah, that's a big deal. D three
0: school. You know the program is not even ten years at this point. You know when I first started it was probably like four or five years in so just to see it get to that point at a national scale And even since I've left they've taken it to another level I have a former Mm -hmm. teammate of mine who plays professionally for the New England Free Jacks so Mm -hmm. um, Yeah from a program standpoint it went great and just like I said transition wise
1: And and um, you know kind of touching on the same question you asked me about soccer Did you guys do video because I know it's club at the club level so did you guys get funding for video? How did you, did you guys do video? Would you have, obviously I think video is always helpful but do you think wearables w- would be more of a rugby thing or kind of? Yeah, know, so
0: um, in terms of technology, uh, a lot of it was on our own or stuff we did. Okay. Like I think Endicott tried to, you know, as they saw as our success, tried to fuel more resources okay. into it. But yeah. at first they were a little skeptical and th- thought of it more as like an extracurricular okay. where you know, That's kind of sometimes where the lack of knowledge about rugby comes into the United States. But, you know, even now to this day, I still have, um, you know, people that I know doing international tours or, Mm -hmm. you know, playing in different regions of the country. But, um, yeah, so we did have video. We had video footage for mostly games. So if we could sometimes away games as well practices we didn't but it was a lot of footage breakdown i would say similar to kind of so how you did do a lot of
1: footage breakdown yeah not as
0: much not nearly as much as football but kind of more form style like you said um of your formation Brazilian. yeah no it was just really like one large game clip you okay. had to pause rewind you just know major coach...
1: points like, hey, look guys, this is yeah to look out for or but
0: most of the time you're just watching the full game through which you know i think even transitioning that it would still be nice to almost you know have some of that video footage and um, that breakdown, from especially football, if you get broken over. down,
1: like if you get broken down yeah. on, like, what did we do wrong here? Could we see have done all our anything? scrums? Let's right, see, you right. know,
0: all our um, phases right. played out. You know, in, let's in, in, see certain like, plays. Defended our twenty-two. You know, if, you. if we were okay. able to chop that, I think that's a little more. Efficient, but we used it for scouting purposes too. Once we were starting to make our way to okay, more national see. tournaments, yeah. you know, we were able to find footage on key other teams, players, maybe key players, okay. like what their strategies are. Uh, so I think that helps with it. But ultimately, like as rugby becomes more of a staple, mm-hmm. I think it's going to follow a lot of the paths of soccer. So okay. it really is the perfect blend of endurance and physical ability. You know, you need to be Definitely. able to monitor and manage your body. So I think wearable technology will only mm. be, you know, more and more and more introduced into rugby. Because especially over the course of a grueling season, I think sometimes, you know, um, you know, my grad year or my senior year for seven season, we would start off the season, you know, 21-0, and 18-0, 19-1, you know, even being wow. D1 teams. That's crazy. But by the time we got to sometimes the national championship, we were so, we had guys banged up. up. Yeah. We had, you know, it's just the burnout method. My yeah. my legs didn't feel the same. Because with sevens as well, you're playing multiple games in a day. So mm. it's a quicker games, but it's still physical. It's still 100%. high endurance. But, you know, in the sevens tournament over a weekend, you could play... Four to five games. Wow. So I think it would have helped, you know, being able to measure and have those benchmarks for your fatigue levels, but also like what areas of your body are, you know, receiving the Mm. most impact, but also for performance measures. So you could start to tie in, you know, what metrics really matter for athletes. Right. Broken down by um, position, you know, forwards obviously scrums and impacts matter more whereas you know it's different for the back line
1: yeah distance traveled might be something more max speed things of that yeah and i think you know even the nature of rugby you know you're in the mindset of like you never want to back down, right? You're no. always ready for the next game. Yeah. So it's hard to, for coaches even to get insight into uh, fatigue levels or even something. Yeah. You're saying, hey, you're good to go? Yeah, I'm, I'm good yeah, to go. But and if I think you could see you know, and say, hey, look, we have four games coming up t- tomorrow. We might hold you back tonight, get some rest, and so we can have you tomorrow for the 100%. playoffs. You know what I mean? So Yeah. Like, maybe... We were still, like, rugby's still in that same way, kind of still, like, Old,
0: it's a gentleman's game, but still has that old man toughness where, mm. you know, if someone says they're good to go, you let them, yeah. you know, you let them. All right. They said they're you good to go. You rarely see someone
1: say, no, I no, want to sit out. No. Yeah, you yeah. Know? Or it still has like that understood. kind of stigma where your yeah. teammates
0: may look at you like, I don't see anything wrong with yeah. you. What's going on? Like, No, you're good. And, like, you're but good. <laughs> I also think, you know, it comes down to the coaches. Yeah. I think our coach still did as best as he could trying to monitor to and manage safe, that, right, yeah. that but we did have guys you know one of my teammates toughest kid on our team but by the time he got to nationals he just, he's just beat up he's man. beat up he's, yeah. he's got two bad ankles he can't right. cut and it's just like you know we needed. he was able to play but he wasn't at his top potential and even gotcha. for me like you know, some of the runs I was making at the beginning of the season, you know, I wasn't Hmm. able to, you know, max out my top speed or break away as good as I felt in the championship season. So I think, you know, just monitoring those a little bit closely uh, would have been a big help. Thanks for tuning into this episode and going beyond the stats. Let us know your thoughts by leaving a review on your streaming platform or visiting our socials and searching in dash form stats.